Calvin Ridley says he's ready to be elite, and could the Cowboys have three 1,000-yard receivers? We discuss on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR weekend ever so close here on Thursday morning. How you doing? Doing well. We're closing in. Time to get a little time on the golf course this weekend. Looking forward to that. And uh, we're one day closer. That's all that matters, right? One day closer to the weekend. One day closer to some real training camp stuff starting. I mean, it's crazy to think where we would be in a normal year. Training camps would be over for the most part. Now we're just starting to get ready for them getting going and getting some padded practices and hopefully getting a little bit of clarity on position battles and things like that. But we are sitting here on August uh, 6th ready to talk about everything that we do have at our fingertips. We do have one notable COVID update as we are recording this. Um, Kenny Galladay among the players taken off the COVID list. So good news there. Good news uh, for a Lions team that was hit by it. We talked about Matthew Stafford's false positive. He came off the list yesterday. You got Galladay back. TJ Hawkinson also making his way back. So good to see these players uh, able to return to their teams, return to the field, and get ready for a season that is supposed to be starting in just a little bit more than a month. Speaking of Kenny Galladay, he, of course, is one of the best wide receivers in the league. And we are going to focus on the wide receiver position in this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. While we haven't gotten to see these teams on the field at all with players now at their facilities with their teams, we are getting more player availabilities, more interviews uh, with players and the assembled media in their respective cities. And I came across three interesting quotes from wide receivers. So that's where I want us to talk today. The first one comes from your beloved Green Bay Packers and superstar receiver Devontae Adams. He... DVR was thinking, like a lot of us, uh, when it was way back in NFL draft time, he said that the players on the Packers were expecting the team to take a wide receiver at some point during the draft. That, of course, did not happen. Things that were uh, happening early on in the draft for the Packers didn't seem to have a huge effect on what this team was going to be able to do offensively this season. So how do we read that? The fact that the team expected there to be a receiver added to the mix, how do we read that? Is there anything to take away from that as we look at the Packers from a fantasy perspective for the 2020 season? I think we have to look at it and assume that there's a lot of faith in the group of players coming back. I mean, maybe it's a vote of confidence for Alan Lazard. Maybe it's belief that Marquez Valdez-Scantling We'll figure it out at this point, or the Equinemia St. Brown, if healthy, could be a bigger part of their plans. I mean, they brought in Devin Funches as a free agent. He opted out of the 2020 season, so they made at least a small attempt to add to this group, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not convinced the Packers are a well-run franchise right now. I don't know if I trust the front office. I think we could be reasonably skeptical of Matt LaFleur as more than an average head coach, despite the success that he had a year ago, I think the Pythagorean record would speak to that. I think their performance against well-coached teams, specifically San Francisco, would be a vote against Matt LaFleur as well. And I kind of wonder how you're going to go back out there with very similar personnel that you had a year ago and get a better result. That would be amazing. I guess that would be something that would make me believe in LaFleur. So if you're Devontae Adams, you're probably wondering, why can't we have a decent number two receiver? That would help take some of the attention away from me. Adams more or less repeated on a per-game basis what he was doing in 2018. 
Yards per target slipped just a little bit, but in terms of the number of targets he was getting per game, he's about a 10-target-per-game guy consistently. Overall yardage numbers on a per-game basis, very much in line with that 2018 season. Uh, the touchdown rate fell a bit. He had five TDs in 12 games after reaching double digits in each of the previous three seasons. So I think it's fair to say at this point, the touchdown luck was bad for Devontae Adams last year. Nothing has changed about the situation. I think we can look at 2018 as a potential ceiling for him. I think he can reach that sort of level again simply because there's no one else there to really threaten his hold on the number one receiver job. But I do think he's somewhat limited by the fact that teams can roll a lot of coverage at him because there are no other current threats in this passing game that you really have to worry about that much, barring an unforeseen breakout. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, perspective to look at this team with because I do think that Devontae Adams is just going to be a superstar. He's going to be among the league leaders in targets. We know that again, and uh, I think there's an argument to be made. I think there's a better argument to be made that he's the number one fantasy receiver than that he's the number three fantasy receiver. Like To me, he is absolutely, no doubt about it, a top two receiver along with Michael Thomas. And I'm not saying I would take him over Michael Thomas, but I don't think there's any argument for Tyreek Hill or DeAndre Hopkins or even Julio Jones, anyone to go ahead of Devontae Adams. He feels very safe to me. I will say that I have been a little bit more interested in Alan Lazard as we've gotten closer and closer to draft season. So something also to keep an eye on. It does feel like he is going to be uh, just as safe that team's number two pass catcher as Adams is the number one. So I, I do think that he is someone worth a little bit more of a look. I think someone who uh, definitely could pop in the way that you know maybe Tyler Boyd did a few years ago. Maybe not quite that high, but that's the first guy who comes to mind uh, to me as that you know wide receiver, 55, 60 off the board, who ends up uh, rounding into form behind a clear number one as a strong number two. I could see that being in Alan Lazard's future this season. Let's move on to Dallas. This is one of the more interesting wide receiver situations across the league. Amari Cooper, speaking with Dallas media on Tuesday, said that uh, he could see the Cowboys having three 1,000-yard wide receivers this year. Of course, that is something that the team would love to see uh, after making the draft pick of CeeDee Lamb in the first round of this year's NFL draft. You know all about Amari, all about Michael Gallup. You add Lamb to that mix, and it is easy to see why this is one of the most exciting offenses in football. Right now, in NFFC draft since July 15th, Amari Cooper has an ADP of 35.08. That makes him the wide receiver 11. Michael Gallup, 76.28, the wide receiver 32. CeeDee Lamb, 101.21 the wide receiver 39. Two things jump out at me when I look at these. Uh, the first is that, surprise that uh, in about 25, 26 picks of ADP, there's only seven receivers going with Gallup, the wide receiver 32, and Lamb, the wide receiver 39. Second is that Gallup, to me, is a huge, huge bargain. Even knowing that Amari Cooper is the number one guy there, I love Michael Gallup at that price with what he has done uh, in his short career to this point. How do you look at this? How are you attacking the Dallas receiver group? Yeah, I've been a little bit hesitant to draft Amari Cooper at price. I don't think he's an obvious fade, but I think I tend to like the other receivers in that cluster. Uh, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think we've talked about them in one of our debate episodes. They're all kind of lumped together around where Amari Cooper goes, and I think with so many capable weapons in this offense— uh, something our colleague Jake Seeley wrote about is that Amari Cooper looks like he's sort of ripe for some touchdown regression. So that's a concern. 
just having a lot of talented weapons around him definitely spreads things out a bit. Interesting that Lamb thinks there's going to be three 1,000-yard receivers there, but they almost did it last year. Randall Cobb had 55 catches for 828 yards, so it's not totally unreasonable if you scale back the tight end targets, give what was going to Jason Witten, give part of that to Blake Jarwin, give part of those targets along with Cobb's targets to Lamb, they could get there. And I think the last offense to do that was probably the 2004 Colts, right? I mean, that was the peak Peyton Manning with Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Brandon Stokely sustaining three 1,000-yard receivers. So like you, I'm definitely interested in Gallup at the price. I haven't drafted Lamb anywhere yet. I think part of that's just my general concern about rookies and how quickly they're going to be able to adapt in this very unusual 2020 season. Uh, but definitely a talent that I believe in. Clearly an offense that across the board is one of the best in the league. Uh, but I just think most of the value right now comes from Gallup at his ADP, whereas Cooper is like full price and maybe even a half round overdrafted more often than not. What's interesting to me with this team is that it feels like one you can realistically stack. And again, a, a strategy we talk about more in the DFS world than in season-long fantasy, but there's a path to having Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup on your team. And maybe it doesn't seem like the best strategy, but there are times where it works. You can go back to when Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald were at the height of their powers in Arizona, and those were two teammates who worked out just fine. You mentioned those 2004 Colts as guys who you wouldn't have been sad if you had Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, and Reggie Wayne. Uh, you can take another Peyton Manning team in Denver. You pair Peyton Manning with uh, Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker on uh, that first big Denver team that he had. And again, you would have been to totally fine doing it. And it feels like Dallas can be that sort of team. They have all the right pieces, right? Not only is it this pass-happy era of football, uh, you have Mike McCarthy there in place of Jason Garrett, and that doesn't mean that Ezekiel Elliott is suddenly going to become this complimentary piece, but maybe not quite as much run volume as we've seen in Dallas over the last few seasons. Uh, you have a potentially bad defense that is going to force Dallas to score, 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 and an ability to do that. You add in the spread of ADP, and it does feel like a team where – I could see myself wanting to stack these guys. I could see myself talking myself into pairing these two guys together because while they might take a little bit away from each other on a week-to-week -week basis, I, I just can't see them going dark as a duo at any point this season. So it does feel as though Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, there are some stacking possibilities, and I love to find a way to get invested in this offense. So that is definitely a thing that I will be thinking about in Dallas. Let's talk about one more situation before we wrap it up on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. This one is in Atlanta. Calvin Ridley saying that he thinks he should be an elite receiver this season. Fantasy drafters are treating him pretty much as such, or at least with the possibility of him becoming an elite wide receiver. An ADP of 45 on the dot, that is the wide receiver 17, so just about a round behind Amari Cooper in 12-team leagues. Other players in his neighborhood, a lot of the guys that you mentioned, DVR, Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, they're all going within about a round, give or take, uh, of where Calvin Ridley is going. I like him a lot. The one thing that backs me off when we look at that group of receivers from Calvin Ridley is that as great as he can be, we're still talking about a number two receiver in his own offense. Juju, 
number one receiver in Pittsburgh. A.J. Brown, number one receiver in Tennessee. Adam Thielen, not only the number one receiver in Minnesota, but really no other show in town. Then you get to Robert Woods, D.K. Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, likely the number one receiver in Denver. So I do think that that ADP is fair after the first three mixed in with the second three, but I do like him better than that group of second three, and I think he can be more of a 1A as much as that's possible to a Julio Jones than he has been in either of his first two seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think if you just scale up playing time from a year ago, right, he missed three games last season, still pulled in 63 passes for 866 yards, seven touchdowns. Easy to see him getting over 1,000 yards, possibly being used more on a per-game basis this year. The tight end position, Austin Hooper last year was actually second on this team in targets with 97. Is it a one-for-one swap after losing Hooper and bringing in Hayden Hurst? Maybe, but there's definitely an opportunity here. Uh, This is a team that throws to the backs a little bit. We saw Devontae Freeman pull in 70 targets last year. Gurley could probably do something kind of similar. I'm just trying to figure out how much his workload on a per-game basis can actually go up and who loses if that happens. Maybe they use Russell Gage a little bit less than they did last year. He was almost a five-target per-game guy out of the slot. I mean, if I were running this offense, I would want to target Kelvin Ridley a lot more than Russell Gage. So uh, maybe that's where the, the biggest gain comes from. I believe in the talent. I don't know if the situation can get a whole lot better right now. I think the 15th receiver off the board is just a little bit too rich. I can see myself ending up with Calvin Ridley in auctions, though, Beller. I think that's mm-hmm. a little bit more likely because I think what you're going to see is in snake drafts, you got to have a preference, and guys who are very similar can be 10 to 15 picks apart. And I think with Kelvin Ridley, you might find that he goes down a couple of dollars and ends up being priced more like DK Metcalf, more like Cortland Sutton, more like... DJ Chark, instead of being priced up in an auction the way that Juju and Cup and Thielen will be. So it's kind of strange that he's like ADP neighbors with those guys, but he might be cheaper in a different format. And I think that's the format in which I'm more likely to have him. Uh, He had 7.15 targets last season. Those 93 targets coming across 13 games, missed three games due to injury. Uh, You extrapolate that over the full 16-game season, and that gets him at 114 targets rounded to the nearest hold number. I think he's going to beat that number. Even if you give Julio Jones 160 targets, which you absolutely should. Even if you're giving that to Julio Jones, I think that you have to get uh, Calvin Ridley somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 to 130 targets. I do think that we see the target volume for the tight end position come down. I think you see the target volume for the running back position come down. I think the running back volume as a whole, just a touch share, remains the same. I think Todd Gurley can and should at least get the looks that Devontae Freeman did last year uh, from a carry department. But I just do think that we're going to have to see more thrown to Calvin Ridley because he's the second most explosive off player in this offense, without question. And now that he, uh, or well, I guess he was healthy to start the season, but with a season of full health, I really feel like he has to get into that 120 to 130 target range. So I am not taking him over those other guys, but I do think that I would, like I would take him over Robert Woods. I would take him over DK Metcalf. I would take him over Cortland Sutton. I like him better than those guys. And Cortland Sutton, knowing that even though he's the number one receiver in Denver and uh, Ridley's the number two in Atlanta, I still feel like he is the better play uh, than those guys. But in agreement that you just can't go all the way when you're talking about Juju, even A.J. Brown and Adam Thielen, of course. Those are guys who I still have to take 
over Calvin Ridley. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Please give us a rating, review, and subscription if you are out there, iTunes, Spotify, anything like that. Obviously, we love the subscriptions, but if you like what you're listening to, the ratings and reviews mean a lot to us as well. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can still get 40% off by going to theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow to kick off your weekend. Until then, have a great day.